the What I Watch Tonight show. Afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to Comic Casts from What I Watch Tonight. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me in this new year to fight crime, take down the bad guys, and look bloody cool whilst doing it, is my excellent co host. Hi, everyone, it's Jared from the Borough Reviews. How's it going? Firstly, ha- Happy New Year. How was New Year in Nebraska? Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, new Year in Nebraska was good, it uh, came and went too quickly, unfortunately. Uh, As do most things these days, you know, it kind of just feels like going through the motions sometimes is is a little taxing. But, you know, the new year was good and I'm looking forward to this year. It seems like it's going to be a great year for comic book movies. So there's always something to look forward to. Yes. um, And I'm looking forward to starting a new year of comic casts and just discussing everything that's coming out. I hear you're, you're a slightly busy man away from films, am I led to believe? Uh, yes, uh, actually, I went to the theater once in January, mm-hmm. um, and it was right at the beginning to see Escape Room. So I haven't even actually been to the theater in quite a in quite a minute. Um, just mostly because you know, with class and everything I've got going on, I'm already watching upwards of six, seven films a week just <laughs> in class. Um, technically, if you count those, I have been in the theater because we have classes in a local <laughs> theater here in Lincoln. But uh, yeah, outside of that, yeah, I haven't been to the theater. Um, I've done a couple of reviews, but it's not been anything you know recent that I've seen. It's been all classic movies and stuff like that. So it's been quite a change of pace, but I'm looking forward to getting back into the swing of things here in February. You team burrows are going to blast off in February and you won't be able to get enough of them. I can just tell my timelines is going to be Stardust videos, um, reviews and whatnot from uh, the burrow reviews. So looking forward to that. And you've mentioned just quickly, you mentioned those classic films you've watched. Let's see if I've seen any of them. What have you been watching in uh, in your classes? Oh, man, uh, a lot. We've uh, so I've got a couple of classes um, right now. Uh, the two main classes. Well, I have three film courses this semester, but um, the two main classes that I have are basically um, a 60s cool class. So we're looking at everything 60s. So, for instance, we've seen Goldfinger, which I've seen previously, but we've also just watched Blow Up. Um, which I found to be excellent. And then we also watched The Ippress File, which is also another great classic. You know, can't can't ever get enough of Michael Caine. And then I have another film class where we're basically taking a look at um, the feminist perspective in horror. And so that's been really interesting. So we're watching anything from, uh, you know, the the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre to Cat People from 1942. So definitely a lot going on. But uh, they're all pretty they're all pretty spect, you know, spectacular. So, I mean, what can I say, really? Well, two things. Firstly, the Britain was the pioneer of everything cool in the sixties, as you pretty much just mentioned. And secondly, I'm just boarding a flight to Nebraska because that film class sounds bloody awesome. Just being able to watch and study all that stuff, especially the feminist angle in horror, because that uh, that could lead to some probably quite interesting stories, which might take up a whole episode of any podcast in the world. But 
in order to not get tied up in that, because I love talking film, Comic Casts, which is what you're listening to right now, is our regular show where we talk about anything to do with the cinematic comic book efforts, uh, whether it's the staples of the genre, so Marvel and DC, or graphic novel adaptations, the lesser-known entities, or just straight-to-screen jobs. Jared and myself, we get our pretty ill-fitting spandex suits on, and we get right into it. So, first up, we're going to talk about what's been happening in the world of the comic book movie genre. Just this year, there's been a heck of a lot of stories coming up. The first one, big news, it's been going on for a while now, but the Batman film, The Batman, has been confirmed for a 2021 release without Ben Affleck. What do you think about that one? Well, look, I mean... We've known this for quite some time, that it was unlikely that Ben Affleck was probably going to return for any sort of movie. I mean, as far as I know, he is contracted for one more. But, you know, he could make a he could make a cameo. I mean, and that would be the easiest way to, you know, fulfill his contract and then, you know, pass on the mantle to someone else. What I'm more interested in now is, I mean, because really this, like like I was mentioning before, this is kind of old news. Um, it's just official now. It's been mm-hmm. confirmed. Uh, really, I'm looking towards who do we have, you know, to play the Batman going forward. And that's really the perspective that I have on everything. Um, it is unfortunate because... For me, um, and I don't know how you felt, Matt, but I did like Ben Affleck a lot. Um, just, I, I really, what I wanted to see was his movie, like, you know, a Batman movie directed by Ben Affleck. And I think that would have been something for everyone to look forward to, honestly. I mean, I know a lot of people when he first, you know, was confirmed for the role that a lot of people had pretty high expectations you Mm -hmm. know coming off of christian bale because i think what he was confirmed in like 2013 2011 somewhere in there um and so there were high expectations and you know ben affleck being announced didn't meet those expectations but i think he's done a fantastic job with the role how about you yeah i don't mind him as um batman i i echo that it's just a shame we don't get to see ben affleck have his own batman film um, I'm glad we never have to hear the term Batfleck ever again because I, I really didn't. That was one of those irrational <laughs> things that wound me up. But yeah, I didn't mind Ben Affleck at all. And look, Ben Affleck's a great actor, great director. Who wouldn't want to see what he would have done with the role? But as you mentioned, we are now searching for a new Batman, and already it's like it's like any time there's a new James Bond, it, all these big names uh, are linked. And I've heard John Hamm wouldn't mind that. Army Hammer also wouldn't mind that. Uh, how, who would you like to see as the new Batman, or are you just waiting to uh, see who else gets rumoured before making your mind up? Uh, there have been a couple of people rumoured, obviously. Um, not not of late. I mean, there have been names thrown around here and here and again, but nothing concrete. Um, you know, I would really like to see something done with Oscar Isaac. I know that's a long mm. shot. Um, but that's kind of where my mind goes to, uh, or, you know, and and Jake Gyllenhaal will never do it, but, um, that would also be an interesting choice just because I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal is one of those transformative actors where he can go from basically any role that he wants to and, you know, bring a new fresh perspective to it. So that is, I mean, those two options right there are some that, you know, I've floated around. They're kind of long shots. I don't think that we're going to, you know, see them in that role ever, probably. Um, but th- that's where my mind kind of trails off to. I am curious to know who's going to come up on the short list that we're now going to yeah. get. Because, I, I mean, it's been confirmed for, you know, 2021. So that's not too long, you know, that's not too far off the mark here. So obviously they're going to have to make some casting announcements going forward. And everyone's looking 
looking forward to see what, you know, DC's doing here. Um, they're kind of revamping a whole lot of things and, you know, just kind of scrapping everything and just starting fresh, really. And so it's kind of exciting to be around for this when all this shakeup is happening within DC, because I do really hope, I mean, I know that DC gets a lot of, you know, they get a lot of hate, um, you know, pretty frequently actually for the things that they do. But um, I want nothing more than to see them succeed. DC have shown before, before this DCEU, that they can make bloody good comic, or just bloody good films in general. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see DC do well, because again, it, uh, competition breeds competition, and it will only make everybody stronger, surely. You, you, I think they're coming for a June or July 2021 release, so we've got to assume it's going to start filming at, at least middle of middle of 2020, maybe? Maybe slightly earlier than that, so I know it's only the end of January 2019, but by the middle of the year, we're going to have to have some cast announce, casting announcements, and from what I'm reading, it's going to be a thriller, with a host of villains, so a real rogues gallery of villains. So not only have we got Batman, oh, we've got I've got God knows how many bad guys to fill. And are they going to have smaller roles, bigger roles? Are we going to have a Spider-Man three kind of mess of villains? Are they going to be the major villains, if we will, um, or are we going to have like a catalogue of I guess B B Batman villains? Are we going to have big actors in those roles? <sighs> And also, I think Batman, the, the detective aspect is to focus, but I think whatever the case, I, I'm always excited for a new Batman film, and I'm going to guess that you would be as well. Yes, I'm I'm definitely excited for it, and nothing gets me more excited than, than Matt Reeves, really. Oh, I mean, yes. that's the main draw for me, because the, an issue that I've found with DC and how they have been telling their stories, they're trying to pack too much into the movies themselves. Um, there's a lot going on. It's how I felt about... Um, you know, Wonder Woman's third act, it's how I felt about uh, Aquaman, for instance. Um, as much as I did like certain elements of Aquaman, I felt it was too, it it wasn't reined in enough as far as story goes. And so if you were to tell me that we didn't have a director, we didn't have a bat, you know, a Batman um, that I could, you know, you know, have a face to anyway. Um, so if Matt Reeves wasn't attached, we still don't know who Batman is. And you were telling me that they were trying to do multiple villains mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of have this revolving door thing going on. Um, I would probably instantly be turned off just because they've been trying that and it's not worked as we've seen with Suicide Squad. Um, and so, you know, I'm just kind of hoping that they can rein it in a little bit more. Um, and the thing that really gives me hope for that is Matt Reeves. So I'm looking forward to it, um, but I am, you know, cautiously optimistic. Yeah, always best to temper those expectations, especially when thinking about who could do the role. And Matt Reeves is a fabulous director. So another story which has been, it, we've known about it for an awful long time. But it was officially confirmed in the last few days, and that's uh, James Gunn is confirmed for Suicide Squad Two, which is pretty big news. And I think this is more of a more of a reboot with a mostly new cast. So, again, official news which we've known about for a long time. And obviously, James Gunn was unceremoniously dumped out of the the Guardians franchise and Marvel slash Disney, uh, well, by Disney, uh, for things he has said in years gone by. So. He's now got jumped, jumped ship and gone straight to DC. Uh, how are you thinking about James Gunn and Sewer Sky Squad 2 now? I'm happy that he's getting this opportunity. Um, 
it was a real shame what happened, you know, the whole falling out with, with, with Disney and Marvel and, and him. And, you know, obviously I don't, I don't agree with those tweets mm-hmm. that he had, you know, not, not, not even agree. Were they a little bit slimy? Yeah. Uh, it was a different time period though. And I'm, you know, certainly, um, I am on the line of, yes, he said those things, but yes, it was a, it was a different time. It was long ago. What are his actions now? You know, what has he been doing now? What are his stances now on certain issues? And so we've got to look at both of those things. So I, I was a little upset to, you know, see the falling out. Um, but I'm happy that he found his project. You know, he's producing that other um, kind of the horror, you know, horror super movie, uh, you know, Brightburn later on yes. this year, too. Um, and, and that's something I'm looking forward to as well. Obviously he's not directing it, but he had a hand in producing it. Um, so James Gunn is, 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 he's talented and, um, I'm hoping that, you know, they're rebranding it. It's, it's basically a rebooted suicide squad. Um, not suicide squad, but the suicide squad. Yes. Um, and so I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm kind of wondering who, you know, he's bringing back for this. Uh, who do you think of, of anyone, if we're going to get anyone, from the previous iteration of Suicide Squad, who do you think it'll be? You've got to think Margot Robbie's coming back as Harley Quinn. I can't imagine they're going to recast Harley Quinn quite so soon. I'm pretty sure we're going to be speaking about her quite shortly again. Will Smith, maybe, as Deadshot. Um, they're the two I can really think of. Everybody else in that film, Suicide Squad, which I didn't mind. For me, it had like the Venom Syndrome, where it's patently not a very good movie, but a guy is entertained enough by it. Um... Everybody else was dispensable, and other than Viola Davis, who's just a powerhouse in everything she's in. I'd like to imagine they'll bring Margot Robbie back, Will Smith, and if they can find a way to get Viola Davis back, great, because anything she elevates, anything she's in. But to me, they're really the only ones who I'd be bothered to see again, and uh, who I can imagine James Gunn will be pushing for to get in, because they're going to get bummed in seats. Harley Quinn is Margot Robbie, sorry, is Harley Quinn whether everybody likes it or not. But that's how it is. Um, so they're the, they're the ones I'd say are coming back. And as for James Gunn doing it, um, yeah, I I agree to a point obviously about him him losing his job over at Marvel slash Disney. Because, no, I never could... Well, the first time I read his messages, his tweets, which when they were uh, brought back into light, mm-hmm. I, I just felt dirty reading them. And I know it was like a decade ago and... Everybody is telling me, well, he was in this, I can't remember what it's called now, but um, this troop of people who did all these, uh, Troma, he was was around Troma films and they're all a bit edgy and weird, but some of the stuff like child abuse, uh, it's a bit kind of draws the line for me. But as you've quite astutely said, it's a different time now. He himself has moved on from those. He's not the same person, he says, and... I guess the argument is who is the same as they were. I wasn't the same as I was twenty ten years ago. I'm sure you weren't either. No. So, no. second chances. I'm uh, apparently Kevin Feige was uh, lobbying quite hard to get him back on board for Guardians three, but obviously the damage had been done for Disney's reputation. Look, James Gunn's a talented guy. As for what he can do for the Suicide Squad, apparently it's going to be in the same vein as Guardians, which probably comes as no surprise to anyone. If he can capture some of the spirit of Guardians of the Galaxy but not replicate it to the point where it's just the same kind of band of people with different cast. Yes, then... yes. and that's my main concern yeah, too. Yeah, I think it could be very good. So, 
Um, yeah, yeah. I really don't have anything else to add to that conversation other than, look, you know, as much as we hate it, um, you know, as people who love film, uh, film is a business. So that decision by Disney was, you know, in direct reference, not to probably, probably most likely not to how they actually, you know, felt about James Gunn, their relationship, Mm -hmm. but more so of how is this going to affect our business going forward? And so I understand completely the decision. Um, so we can only hope that, you know, they don't go down the route of, of replicating what Marvel's doing. I'm sure, I'm not sure they'll do that yet. Completely. I think they're going to take some, he's going to take some of what he knows over there because Marvel's built a lot of their, um, success on a particular form formula of which James Gunn has been part of. He's been part of that blueprint and DNA. So I'm pretty sure they're going to be things which you can look at and think, I can see that in a Guardians film. But yeah, I think as we both agree, as long as we don't see you know, Guardians of the Suicide Squad or whatever, then Oscar-winning Suicide Squad, then I think we'll be just fine. But speaking of Harley Quinn, we got our first look at Birds of Prey, a.k.a. Birds of Prey, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. It was just a teaser rifling through the characters but it was colorful i quite enjoyed it for what it was but what about you uh, i liked it um I'm, I'm really curious to see where this goes um just i mean the main draw obviously for me is margot robbie she's a fantastic actress yeah. and so you know you look at her work you know in previous years even i you know i didn't get around to seeing mary queen of scots but she looked incredible in the role and then you know i think back to you know itania from last year and well i guess two years ago now um but it's one of those she's just one of those transformative actors uh working today and so if she has faith in the project that that kind of allows me to kind of open up a little bit more to the possibilities of what a, the movie can do, but you know what the script and what the characters can do for, you know, the entire DC universe. Yeah. And joining Margot Robbie is uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Journey Smollett-Bell, Ella J. Basco, Chris Messina, Rosie Perez, and hello there, Ewan McGregor as well, which uh, I'm always happy Mm -hmm. to see Ewan McGregor. And he's joining the DCEU or, a, an offshoot of the DCEU. Harley Quinn's clearly going to be the focus here, but we're just glad to see you and McGregor taking a more villainous role, apparently, as Black Mask. Um, and Margot Robbie's socials seem to be the place for the latest news. Um, yeah, as a teaser trailer, it did what it needed to do. It kind of set the tone, potentially, for what we're going to get. It showed the characters, and that's really about it. But that's all it needed to do, so you know, pretty pretty pleased with that. But moving on to bigger things now. The Oscar nominations were released a couple of days ago now, about a week and a half ago now, and the big story was Black Panther's Oscar success. Now, uh, first comic book movie nominated for Best Picture. What were your thoughts on that particular nomination, as well as the well, the six other nominations? Uh, I'm really excited. Um, just we're you know we're moving more towards you know kind of an academy that is accepting of of all genres. Cause you know, beforehand, um, you know, there's a bias for sure, I would say. Um, but as we're, you know, accepting more members into the, into the Academy and they're, they're younger and they're more diverse, we're going to start seeing things like this happen more, you know? Um, cause really comic book films and, and horror are the two genres that really just kind of get shut out, mm-hmm. you know, around these conversations quite 
quite frequently, actually. Um, for me personally, I'm excited to see Black Panther in there. Um, I, as for as much as I liked Black Panther, um, I did not think it was one of the strongest pictures of the year, but I completely support it in the category nonetheless. I second that last statement. Had the Academy had 10 best uh, picture features, which they can do, but for some reason don't bother with, then I would... I, you know, I'd, I would be slightly more favourable to it. Um, I've said on another show, was it one of the top eight pitches of the year? When you, when you consider what's missed out, then no. Would it be in the top ten? Potentially. Was it better than something like If Bill Street Could Talk? No. Was it better than Blind Spotting? No. But it's in there, and it's the first comic book movie nominated for Best Picture. So, of course, you know, massive congratulations to Ryan Coogler and the team for that, because regardless of what anybody's individual opinions are it's happened and it's a huge achievement and as you say hopefully it opens the door going forward and to things like horror films because i think hereditary and suspiria were quite badly snubbed but it's also up for original score costume design sound mixing editing and production design and in terms of costume and production design i thought it looked fabulous the costumes are great the score was very good um i think it's got a chance at production design out of all of those though any do you think it will take any of them uh, I really am glad that, uh, you know, where I'm going with any of them, I don't think in those specific categories we're probably not going to see a return. Um, but, you know, unfortunately we're in a year where uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga put out a, a pretty big hit with Shallow. Um, otherwise, I would say Kendrick could probably, you know, swoop in there and get original song for all the stars. Um, but that's really where my mind goes to, so I don't think... I think the notion of it being nominated is all we're going to kind of get out of this whole thing. I don't think um, in any of these, really, that it, it, it could take the cake. Well, the, the main thing, obviously, it's there. Door, the door's been opened. Let's hope that, you know, we can see more of this going forward. Of course, the films have got to earn their right that they just can't be put there because they're a comic book movie. But, hell, it's good to see it in there. Speaking of which, is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse going to get the Best Animated Feature Oscar? It better. <laughs> yeah, Let me tell you, exactly. that was one of, I think, I think that is the best, not only the best, like, animated film of the year, but I think it is the best superhero movie of the year. Um, everything that that movie had going for it, you know, I'm so glad to see it nominated. The only issue is going to be with Incredibles 2. It's really those two, when it comes down to those two, just because Incredibles 2 was such a crowd pleaser. Uh, for me personally, Incredibles 2, um, I, while I enjoyed it, it was nowhere near, um, it nowhere near hit my expectations for going in. Um, so I was a little disappointed by Incredibles 2, actually. Uh, but as far as I can tell, that's the one category where Incredibles 2 might actually beat out Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And it's kind of a shame, uh, but we'll see what happens. It, you know, it picked up steam and the good thing is it came out, you know, in December, you know, in the middle of December. Um, so for that to come out at that time, you know, you know, months before, you know, the nominations come out and then we actually have the Oscar night, um, that is working to its benefit, I think. Um, but I just don't know if it'll be able to beat the massive hype surrounding Incredibles 2. Yeah, it really should do. Yeah, as you say, it was it probably was well certainly for yourself and for me i agree it was the best comic book film of last year and in terms of animation incredibles 2 looked good it looked great it had pixar behind it you know the juggernaut or pixar 
And the, like you say, it had the crowd-pleasing hype around it and people have been waiting for this film for so long. It was not as good as the first one. It was good still, but it didn't have the charm, the magic of that first one and it felt at parts like it was just trying to be the first one. Whereas Spider-Verse, in terms of the animation, brings something fresh to animation. It's something we haven't seen before. It looks different. It feels uh, invigorating compared to this, some some of the other animated features we get. And if it doesn't win, then, you know, I'm not quite sure what these kind of films have to do to beat out the big Dragonaut films like Incredibles 2, which, you know, to be honest, I think I, I think How to Train Your Dragon was in there. If not, it, that was better than Incredibles 2. I, I enjoyed that a lot more. So should it get the animated feature? Yes, it has been sweeping up all the other awards pretty much. Um, up, leading up to the Oscars so there's a chance that if it follows suit it will win like you say I think it should win but um, just before we move on a couple of hours ago Amazon Prime unleashed uh, news about an Invincible animated TV series and I mentioned it because the, the cast is awesome Stephen Young J.K. Simmons Sandra O, oh, Seth Rogen Zazie Beetz Mark Hamill Walter Goggins Jason Manzoukas Mae Whitman and wow. Max Burkholder who stunk up the purge they are the voice actors behind it, and uh, it would be remiss to not ask. Uh, you must be looking forward to DC Super Pets this year. <laughs> Look, that cast, um, the cast list is just phenomenal. Um, and so that's really where my excitement comes around. I don't know that we needed a Super Pets, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we're getting it. So let's just see where that goes. Yeah, probably not going to get too excited just yet, but hey, you never know. It could be the best comic book film of the year. So that's what's happening literally right now in the world of comic book films. But for the main segment of this episode, we're talking about what's coming up this year or what has already been released in a few cases. Uh, And we get more and more comic book movies each year and 2019 is no different. So there's a mix of your unmissable blockbusters, the, the kind of ones which could go either way. And there's certain ones which just seem destined for the dumpster. So let's rock and roll. And our first two movies have already been released, starting with Glass. Um, uh, released by Universal Pictures, Walt Disney. Directed by uh, the Shamhammer, M. Night Shyamalan. Starring James McAvoy, Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, Anya Taylor-Joy and Sarah Paulson. It's currently standing at $166.1 million worldwide, which to me sounds like a flop. Um, and for those who don't know about it, it's David Dunn from Unbreakable... Uh, he becomes locked in a mental hospital alongside his archenemy, Mr. Glass, Samuel L. Jackson, as well as Kevin Wendell Crumb, the multi-personality horde from Split. And they got to contend with a psychiatrist who is out to prove the trio do not actually possess superhuman abilities. Jared, have you seen Glass? No, I have not. So I can't comment too much on Glass. Um, I do know a little bit about it. The issue was, is I hadn't seen Split. And then, like I said, I haven't made it to the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two issues for me going in. From what I've heard, it's really, people either, either are loving it or they're they're hating it, like <laughs> with a passion, with a fury passion. And so uh, I'm really curious to know your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went in with big expectations. The trailers looked pretty damn cool. Split was surprisingly excellent for Shyamalan, who'd, kind of, who'd been on a slight upward trajectory, but Split kind of came out of nowhere. And I thought, Glass, wow, this has got to be good. And I was disappointed when I came out. When I came out, I wasn't excited or thinking about the film in any way. All I thought about was how bloody cold it was outside. And it was 
it had some when it was good it had some great moments in it but there was such a missed potential and Shia Milani he had tried for too much commentary on himself and the genre as a whole and it didn't work and as I mentioned in our in our last show I said Bruce Willis basically looked like a man who thought shit now I've got to do some real acting and here man he was phoning it in and it's such a shame such a shame to see Bruce Willis just he just doesn't look like he can be bothered anymore to be honest and it looked like the sham hammer noticed that and kind of kept him at arm's distance somewhat but also I'm not going to go into anything that happens in the film but it's not the worst film of the year and it won't be anywhere near my bottom 20 of the year but what how it could have been uh, it just felt like a big disappointment but that's not to say that yourself Jared or anyone listening who hasn't seen it isn't going to love it because like you say there are some people out there who who think this film is amazing and that is you know that film subjective that's absolutely nothing wrong with that I it just didn't work for me on the level that I hoped it would. Oh, that's such a bummer. Yeah, no, and, and you know, with that cast too, uh, I, I've been hearing good things about Sarah Paulson, even though, again, I've been hearing a lot that she's underused. But from the looks of it, from all the marketing, Sarah Paulson, for me, was the was the draw of the trailers and the marketing campaign. Um, so that's a shame, but I do plan on getting around to having a double double feature, both Split and Glass. So I look forward to that. If you get a chance to watch Unbreakable as well, I'd recommend watching that as well, just before, just to, it hits home, because I watched Unbreakable before I saw Glass again, and it does help just to connect a few dots, and so certain Mm. few things land better, shall we say, but, I mean, the cast, James McAvoy is excellent, like he was in Split, he was great in that film, he's great here, Samuel Jackson's having a blast playing Mr. Glass, Uh, you can just tell he is. Sarah Paulson is very good for what she does. Anya Taylor-Joy, she's in the film, kind of. But, yeah, I mean, I hope you go and see it, and I really hope you enjoy it, man. But it just, maybe I just went with too much expectation because I thought Split was just an unexpected surprise. But it's not the worst film of the year. It's just not the best. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, if you want to move on, we we can totally do so. Um, The next movie that we've got here was released actually by Netflix and it is Polar which is based on a graphic novel it's directed by Jonas Ackerland and then it stars Mad Mikkelsen um Vanessa Hutchins Catherine Winnick Matt Lucas uh obviously they haven't released any of the box office numbers <laughs> because who are we talking about here we're talking about Netflix um I do wish before I dive into the synopsis here, I do wish that we would start getting more concrete numbers from Netflix because even the ones that they've released from, you know, say Bird Box, uh, I'm not sure how accurate those are. And I, and I want to know what's the retention rate on on these movies and these TV shows that you're putting out because you're you're claiming that you're getting, you know, millions in viewership, which is great. And I and I hope that your movies are. But how long are people staying for? You know, like that's really what I want to know. Um, But I digress. Um, The synopsis for the movie is the world's top assassin, Duncan uh, Vilza, uh, a.k.a. the Black Kaiser, is settling into retirement when his former employer marks him as a liability to the firm. Against his will, he finds himself back in the game, going head-to-head with an army of younger, faster, ruthless killers who will stop at nothing to have him silenced. The synopsis does this film a great injustice because the synopsis makes it sound like a good film. 
<laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh boy! Uh, the, again, I I recently did an anticipated slash intriguing films to look forward to. I'm looking forward in 2019, and as I was discussing them, it popped into my head that I've just seen the trailer of Polar. It looked bloody awesome, and I threw that in as an as an intriguing kind of film I'm looking forward to in 2019. And boy, oh boy, this is I, oh, I I don't want to say too much. About the film again, because um, I'm, I'm have you? I'm assuming you haven't seen it. No, no, I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. I don't want to say too much then, but I all I will say is it. I'm not sure any film which gets released this year is gonna usurp this from the bottom of the of my f- film list. It was oh god, uh, Mads Mikkelsen is oh he's he's very good as the grizzled assassin. Mads Mikkelsen's good in anything. Vanessa Hudgens yeah. is surprisingly good. Whoever cast Matt Lucas should be struck off the the game. They should be leave the industry. It, it, I, I don't want to say again. I don't want to say anything because again, I don't want to cloud anyone's thoughts. But obviously, myself and Jared, we write about film. That's what we do. Uh, it, I can't. I can't remember exactly how I described it, but essentially, it was just a grimy, filthy, misogynistic mess. Is all I can say about it. I'm surprised that Mads would do something like that because, yeah, he like I res- I respect him in in nearly everything that he does, even if it doesn't work out completely, you know. Um, and so I would I, I'm surprised that he would he would kind of pick up a role like that. I mean, if if there was just this inherent you know sexism and misogynistic feel to the film, um, but that instantly those comments turned me off. I mean, I I will see it at some point um, just so I can gauge my own opinions from it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, going in, hearing all of that, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be clouded by that. Yeah. So I try not to, because, I mean, if you, if you put any stock in what the critics say, like us, then 99% of people are on the same wavelength as myself, which makes me feel quite good. There are people out there who like it. And again, nothing wrong with that. I would never judge anyone by the films they like. It just did not work for me in the slightest. And I think Mads Mikkelsen said he wanted, he loves the thrill, like the thriller action films, and I think he wanted to kind of make a John Wick esque film, but this isn't mm. anywhere near as anywhere anywhere near as good as John Wick or even a second film. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I'd love to see the viewership for this because Netflix said that Bright had equivalent to a hundred million dollar opening weekend, which is just, yeah right. So I'd love to see what Polar got because it looked great. It had the it has all the hallmarks of what should be a really good kind of, here's that G word, gritty action thriller with Mads Mikkelsen in the lead assassin role. But everything about it falls down, fell down for me. And again, I hope I haven't clouded your judgment too much. And I'd love for you to come back and say, actually, I really liked it. I think you're talking rubbish, but um, I'll be interested to see what you think. But if you don't mind, I really don't want to talk about Polar (laughs) Polar anymore because it's making me feel dirty. Yeah, we're all good. Let's let's move on. So moving on now to films which haven't been released, and this one's coming out in about a week's time. It's based on a manga, which and it snuck in on that uh, on that basis. And also, when I did some googling, it came up in every comic book list. And it's a Lita Battle Angel being distributed by Twentieth Century Fox. Robert Rodriguez is the director, and it stars Rosa Salazar, Christoph Waltz, Mahershala Ali, Jennifer Connelly, Jackie Hoelaley. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley, sorry, and Lana Condor. What good cast. Uh, the synopsis, set several centuries in the future, the abandoned Alita is found in the scrapyard of Iron City by Ido, a compassionate cyber doctor who takes the unconscious Alita cyborg to his clinic, 
When she awakens, she has no memory of who she is, nor does she have any recognition of the world she finds herself in. As Alita learns to navigate her new life and the treacherous streets of Iron City, Ido tries to shield her from her mysterious past. Now you hear that synopsis, you see the cast. Are you excited for this film or are you uh, going in with some trepidation? Um, I Well, I'm taking it kind of at face value at the moment. Uh, the trailers haven't done anything for me in terms of getting me really excited for it. Um, what is getting me excited for it is because, as you mentioned, that cast does have tremendous talent. And, you know, for me, the trailers haven't been awful. I know a lot of people um, have really taken issue with the trailers and just, you know, everything from the release date getting pushed back, which I think was actually a a smart move in terms of, you know, where you want to position your film to make the most money. Um, Unfortunately, that, you know, that December week was just so crowded, you know, it was in between a lot of things. It had a lot going on. Um, So they probably made the right decision moving it out of that release date. Um, But as far as like my experience, excitement level for it um i do plan on checking it out um i'm not going in with high expectations but i'm also not going in with low expectations so that's kind of where i fall on that line um what are your thoughts um well on that, that's probably quite a good pl- place to go into most films it's kind of open-minded this was also my intriguing list mainly down to whether it will be bad or not because it has been pushed back and partly because it would have been eaten alive in december but I've heard it was moved back also just to make a few alterations to the film to uh, tighten up a few areas which which weren't quite so strong, should we say. Um, I didn't mind the last few trailers. It's had a bit of a patchy marketing campaign. I didn't mind the last few trailers. And in the last few days, over here in the UK at least, it's been everywhere in terms of television marketing. I've seen mm-hmm. it on more billboards on the side of your buses yes. and whatnot. It's, and on... Any website I look at, there's some kind of advertisement for Alita Battle Angel. So they're really pushing it. I think Rosa Salazar looks great in the lead role. It's got that hell of a... I mean, Christoph Waltz and Mahershala Ali in the same film is good enough for me. Lana Condor was excellent in uh, All the Boys I've Loved Before last year. Jennifer Connelly is a great actress. Jackie O'Haley. What is not to like about the cast? But we've been burnt before by great casts. And serial bullshitter James Cameron is producing this with with John Lando. And it's been on Cameron's radar for a couple of decades now. So he's kind of behind it. How how much of a say he's actually had in it, I don't know. Interestingly, Micah Monroe and Zendaya auditioned, as well as Bella Thorne, which would have just been awful if he'd been the lead role. But early screening reviews have been pretty positive from what I've seen. I haven't gone, I haven't read any in any detail because like Jared, I want to kind of go in unswayed, as, much, as unswayed as possible. But from what I've seen, the headlines are hey, it's not as bad as it really could have been. So I'm quite happy for that. And I'm checking it out. Uh, I can't see it opening day Wednesday, so I'm going next Thursday evening to see it. And I... Who knows? I'm I'm looking forward to it with a bit of trepidation. I really want to be blown away, but I'm not sure I'm going to be. I don't gauge that at all from what I've seen with the marketing. Because, yeah, they've definitely ramped up here, too, in the U.S. And, um, yeah, I've got to say it's one of those that I just don't – I don't think anything in the movie will blow my socks off. But, but again, I try and go into movies wanting to like it as much as I possibly can. So uh, let's just hope for the best. Yeah. What, what's next? What are we going on for now? So uh, – and this is a pretty big release um, from Disney – 
in association with Marvel Studios, and that is Captain Marvel. Um, we have director Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck on board with the cast of Brie Larson, Jude Law, Sam Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, and Annette Bening. Um, and the synopsis here, Captain Marvel gets caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. Um, now, on first, you know, if you if you knew nothing about Captain Marvel and you were just, you know, hmm, what's Captain Marvel? Let me look at the cast um, to, to just see who's in it. Uh, Jude Law, fantastic actor. Sam Jackson coming back is always great. And I'm glad to see him take, you know, a more definite role in both Captain Marvel, I assume, Endgame's going to have something with him as well, but also, you know, the recently released trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home. So it looks like he's taking a little bit bigger of a role in the in the universe entirely, and that I'm on board for. But who I'm most excited to see is actually Ben Mendelsohn, yeah. because Ben Mendelsohn hasn't he wasn't even on my radar until I saw Rogue One. And then after Rogue One, he just started popping up here and there. And, you know, I didn't see Robin Hood. And Ooh. and frankly, you know, from what I was hearing about Robin Hood, that was no good either. But again, every time I see Ben Mendelsohn in a trailer, um, that instantly catches my attention. But most of all, we have Brie Larson. We have our first female-led superhero movie. And I think that speaks volumes um, for Marvel. Um, obviously, DC's done it with Wonder Woman. And, you know, for the most part, Wonder Woman was a fantastic film. I enjoyed a lot about it. Um, the one thing about Captain Marvel that's kind of throwing me off is while the trailers have been good, they haven't captured my attention like every other Marvel trailer that I've seen. Um, and I don't know if you feel the same, so I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on it. But as far as I'm concerned, Captain Marvel, it looks to be like the penultimate movie before we actually go into Endgame. And I don't think that we can have Endgame or the rest of the franchise going forward without Captain Marvel. So there's a lot of pressure on the movie to succeed. That's a really interesting point you just made right at the end there that... This is, I mean, this is clearly going to undoubtedly tie into Endgame. It, it, we, anyone who hasn't seen Avengers Infinity War, the biggest film of last year and with the fourth biggest film of all time, then cover your ears now because here's a massive spoiler for the stinger at the end credits, but Nick Fury pages, yes, pages, Captain Marvel. He sends out a distress call. Come help us. So that there's your, there's your first, obviously, well, it's not even a hint, it smacks you in the face. And the fact that this is, releasing such close proximity to that uh of Avengers Endgame, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be the film to see beforehand. But to me it just doesn't feel vital. And I'm not particularly excited for this. The for me the marketing hasn't been very good, to be honest. It's been okay. And the la the last trailer was certainly better than the ones who that came before, but it's it doesn't feel entirely yeah, like it doesn't feel very vital is the word I can think of. It it feels like it could just be another good MCU movie. Now, I'm not expecting to go into it and not like it. I'll be very surprised if I don't like this film. But nothing's grabbing me so far. And it's we, we've mentioned the cast. And this could get quite repetitive. Because these films are getting such good cast. And everybody wants to be in these films. Whether it's for bringing back childhood memories. Just to, to earn a bit of money and raise their profile. Whatever, as long as they put in a good performance. But Brie Larson and Jude Law is—I mean, ugh. Annette Benning as well. I was surprised when she 
took the role, but I'm excited to see her in it. Yeah. But yeah, Ben Mendelsohn, Mendo. I love Ben Mendelsohn. I mean, I first saw him in um, Animal Kingdom, a TV drama, a sleazy type yeah. TV drama. And he was in The Dark Knight Rises as well. It was like a sweezily character called Daggett. And I remember that Bane makes short shrift of him. Uh, he was also in yes. Exodus, Gods and Kings, which I'm pretty sure he wants us to forget, forget all about that dumpster fire. But I love Ben Mendelsohn. I don't know what his role is in the film, I've got to say. I'm imagining he's going to be the villain, because he usually is. But I don't know. I'm Again, the first screening came out yesterday in terms of recording, so the end of January. And pos- the, the cat in the trailer has got a lot of positive reviews, and I say that in all seriousness. Yes. The cat's getting a lot of positive reviews. Um, so, that worries. Yeah. I, again, I haven't read the review, so I'm pretty sure that they're all saying the same thing. You know, it's a good film. It's just what the MCU needed before we go into uh, Endgame, which is going to be this big, immersive epic with every emotion under the sun. And like you say, Brie Larson is a female-led Marvel film, and one day we'll just get to calling it a superhero film, but for now we've got to have that prefix in front of it that is a female-led, and I couldn't be more up for that, more up for that because I'm all for... You know, these again, these doors opening and these opportunities, which should have been coming decades ago, let's face it. But yes. and Brie Larson is a magnificent actress. So if she's attracted to the role, then I'm attracted to film because there's something, there's obviously something there uh, that's got her inv- excited. So whilst I'm not overly excited, of course I'm going to be there the day it comes out. Yep, I echo that sentiment 100%. Uh, another film, on kind of on a flipping the radar side, we're going back to. Uh, DC now, but it's Shazam from Warner Brothers Pictures, DC, directed by David Sandberg, and it's got Zachary Levi, Asher Angel, Mark Strong, good old Mark Strong, Jacqueline Grazer, Grace Fulton, core, what big list, Ian Chen, Joven Armand, Faith Herman, Cooper Andrews, Martin Mylands, and Juman Hunsu in the cast. The synopsis, Billy Batson is a streetwise 14-year-old who can magically transform into the adult superhero Shazam simply by shouting out one word. Guess what the word is. His newfound powers soon get put to the test when he squares off against the evil Dr. Thaddeus Savannah. Now, I've got to say straight off the bat that I wasn't overly familiar with the characters from the comic. It's not one I was necessarily into or interested in, uh, but it looks like it could be a hell of a lot of fun. Um, is it just me who thinks that? Surely not. No, the the trailer, the I, I remember the first trailer that we got totally captured my attention because, yeah, beforehand I wasn't paying attention. You know, I like Zachary Levi a lot. Um, and, you know, we have Mark Strong even in here. And so that, I mean, that alone gets me excited. A lot of these movies, it's, it's who's being cast that's doing it for me. But the trailer, um, you know, along with the cast, those two things paired really kind of cemented it as one of my most anticipated superhero movies of the year, um, easily probably in the top five. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, I, I get nothing but good feelings from the trailers. So um, here's to hoping that it's positive. And then, you know, like like we were talking about before with, you know, the DCEU, I hope that we get, you know, I, I do fully believe that woman that Wonder Woman was the right step. And I believe that Aquaman, for as much you know, for as many issues as I have with Aquaman, Aquaman, I believe that's a right step. So I'm just hoping that they keep putting, you know, their their foot forward and thinking in an onward direction where they're going to start revamping things. And we're we're start, you know, we're going to start getting these movies where, you know, everyone can enjoy it, whether or not you're you're a DC fan. So um, that's that's my hope for Shazam. And I have no reason to suspect otherwise at the moment. 
Yeah, I DC was criticised for being too gloomy, too dark, too depressing, and too, too grey filtered. And Shazam just looks to be the absolute opposite of that. And yeah, it could be just what the franchise needs, the uh, the stable needs. Sorry, Aquaman was certainly colourful. I didn't mind Aquaman. I had a good time with it. It had a many many flaws, but it yes. it brought something different to the DCEU, which is probably why it's gone on to make over a billion dollars worldwide and being and becoming the DC or any DC films biggest uh, box office moneymaker, beating the Dark Knight out. So people like that formula with Aquaman. You've got the, the comic book epic battles and the set pieces. You've got the, the cool lead character. You've got the sort of campy, strange villain. Um, and you've got that humour as well, which the fa- the family-friendly humour as well, for the most part. And Shazam looks like it's got that in absolute buckets and spades. And it, I've, I've read it's been called The Big, the Tom Hanks film of comic book movies. Uh, is that something which you've kind of seen the vibe of, or are people just making that up? No, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's light. Um, I'm I'm you know I okay. I'm in the minority when it comes to you know. Do I think that we should move away completely from those thematic you know threads that they were kind of um, that they were kind of you know exemplifying with those DC movies? You know that kind of dark gritty nature to everything. Um, I actually like that, but I don't want it every time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm I'm one of those people that like I, I'm good with any story. You want to tell a story tell the story um you just gotta you just gotta tell it in in a you know favorable fashion essentially and so with you know these dc movies these new string of dc movies that we got i hope that you know at their core they stay true to what they want to do in terms of storytelling and aren't just shape-shifting around marvel um because as much as i like marvel movies Sometimes, with the exception of Avengers Infinity War, which I'll defend, you know, the stakes can kind of feel, you know, non-existent. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, I just hope that we don't get the same brand of comic book movies going forward, which is why even without seeing Glass and, you know, even with the critical reception being kind of mixed, I can appreciate it for at least – um, from what I'm hearing, trying different things, and I think that's how we need to keep shaking things up. Is just tell a good, sto- you know, good story first and foremost. Make it, make it human, make it relatable, and then people gravitate towards to it, no matter what you know you're actually telling. Yeah, I mean, the Dark Knight trilogy, the Batman trilogy, wasn't exactly the most hilarious trilogy of films, but it 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 was a a serious, a grounded, gritty trilogy. And it worked. So DC have done it before. Uh, it's just that their their more recent offerings have been a bit too gloomy. But uh, yeah, I if they can find that kind of happy balance of having those, having that kind of weight, that heft, and some of that grimness, if you will, but sprinkling it with what makes comic movies so good, which is that I don't say light hearted, but that kind of the fun aspect where you can take along your you have six-year-old who really likes Batman, for example, and they can enjoy it just as much, and the adults can get something out of it as well. Similar to sort of how Star Wars has done it before in the past, where the adults and the kids both get something out of it, and it doesn't feel like it's aimed at one or the other too much, unless you're Jar Jar Binks. But Shazam looks like it could be that. It looks like it's going to sway slightly more to the fun side than the gloomy side, but that's not a bad thing. It, it works in the context of the character and this film, so... Bring it on. Do I want to see a return to Batman and Robin type thing for that character, Batman? No, but you don't do that in that kind of film. But Shazam is ripe 
for this kind of storytelling. And I think mm-hmm. I think it could be a sleeper hit for this year. It's going to make money. It's going to make big dollar. But I think it could go do slightly more than most people are expecting. I don't think it's going to make a billion. I mean, nobody said, people said that about Aquaman. I don't think it's going to sort of join the billion dollar club, but I think it's going to surprise people by how much it makes. And before we move on to anywhere else, Dwayne Johnson, Black Adam, he said, I'm not in the film. I'm not in a film. Is he lying? Is he going to be in the end credits, do you think? Or is he telling the truth? Uh, You know, he has a way of misdirecting people a lot of the time. Um, so for as much as he says that he's not in the film, he's not in the film. Uh, I, I kind of doubt it a little bit. Um, but then again, you know, obviously nothing like concrete has come out to suggest that he is 100% in the film. But again, you know, we have a lot of misdirection going on right now with comic book movies. You know, someone's always telling, kind of telling, you know, a lie (laughs) in a way. Um, you know, Kevin Feige does that quite a bit, just misdirecting, you know, the Russo brothers have done that. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll kind of wait and see, but, um, I'm leaning more towards, uh, yes, we'll see him in the end credits. Yes, yeah, because he, he never said, he, he never said I'm not in the end credits, he just said I'm not in the film. Um, it will be good, he's, I mean, he's been, he's been Black Adam for, I don't know how long now, five or six years, and he's <laughs> in about 50 films a year, so why not just add this to the list, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, for Shazam, exactly. looking forward to Shazam more than I thought I would be, let's say, this time last year. I agree. Um, so next, moving on from Summit Entertainment, we have Hellboy, directed by Neil Marshall, starring David Harbour, Mila uh, Djokovic, uh, Ian McShane, Sasha Lane, and Daniel Day Kim. Um, based on the graphic novels by Mike Mignola, Hellboy, caught between the two worlds, um, supernatural and human, battles an ancient sorceress bent on revenge. Uh, Hellboy, for me... Uh, I remember, you know, when I was in middle school, I would watch the Ron Perlman Hellboy at least, at least every, you know, six months if I could. Um, I actually really like the original two Hellboy movies. How about you? Yeah, I thought they were surprisingly very damn good. Yes, me too. Um, And so, you know, obviously with the new Hellboy trailer, um, there was some there is some pushback a little bit by, you know, you know, diehard fans of the Hellboy series um, and the comic books. Uh, I personally, for me, um, I I actually like the trailers. It's not something that where I feel like it's trying to top, you know, what we have come to associate with the original Hellboy. I don't necessarily think that they're going in that direction i think they're going for something completely different and i'm on board for that so as far as you know where i've heard numerous people say that it doesn't it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like ron perlman it doesn't feel like what hellboy is um i i kind of disagree with all of that um i think david harbour is an ex an excellent actor um you know and his work on stranger things has just cemented him you know in that kind of you know fatherly figure role and i think that's really interesting because you know for hellboy specifically even ron perlman's hellboy there was something about him that you you kind of do look up to him you know even with his numerous flaws that he has um you know you can tell that he has a heart and i feel like david harbour um specifically when you're looking at his work in stranger things embodies that 100 percent. so that's what i'm most excited for but you know obviously i'm not getting my my hype up to a level you know 210 or anything hmm. like that i mean i'm pretty i'm I'm pretty you know in the middle as far as where i think my expectations are going to fall 
But um, yeah, what about for you? I mean, what do you think compared to specifically compared to the like Ron Perlman version? How did you feel about the trailer? Uh, I I think it looks okay visually. The trailers haven't blown me away at all yet, but I'm not going to let the trailer really cloud my mind too much. I didn't dislike the trailers. I just thought they were okay. And on mm. on your point about Ron Perlman, I mean, Ron Perlman isn't Hellboy. Um, so, yeah, like you say, David Harbour's going to step into this. He's going to make it his own, and he is going to become Hellboy for a new selection of fans, and, of course, he's going to take some of the old ones. And hopefully he can be just as good as Ron Perlman. But, obviously, Hellboy's a character. You know, anybody could step into his shoes and hopefully do a good job. And David Harbour, what he's done on Stranger Things has been excellent, and amongst other things. So did he come out of kind of left field to play the role? Yes, but... He's got it, and I'm looking forward to it. I like Neil Marshall as a director. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of Dog Soldiers. I'm not sure if you've seen that. And the Descent yeah. films as well. Uh, the Descent is one of my favourite horror films, and it's a nice, it's a British horror film, so, you know, well done, the UK. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to this as well. Sasha Lane is in it. I, everything she's done so far, from American Honey onwards to the Florida Project and whatnot, she's excellent. Brendan Gleeson's in it as well. Ian McShane... Uh, Millie Jovovich you know, stepping out of Resident Evil finally but apparently this yes. film apparently is brutal and gory as hell that's what I've been yeah. reading that apparently this film is going to be badass so um, and, and you kind of got that with the Red Band trailer yeah. too and by far Mila was my favorite aspect of the entire you know marketing campaign the first you know couple of trailers that we got both the Red Band and you know the normal one um, so yeah she really stood out to me as far as like the cast goes yeah, I, I think it's a, again. This is this is a good cast. Dan, I'm not overly uh, aware of Daniel Day Kim. I'm not sure about what he's done before, but looking forward to see what he brings. And hell, look, those first two Hellboy films were very good. If this film can be, you know, on on a on the same or similar level as those original two, then it's going to be just fine. I've got faith in Neil Marshall for pretty much most things he delivers. The cast looks good. It looks good visually. If it's going to be brutal and violent as hell, bring it on, I say. So, I'm, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic, I think, is where I'd gauge myself. Completely understandable. Uh, next film, probably... Ah, cautiously optimistic probably isn't the term for the next film. It's probably the, <laughs> it's going to be the biggest film of the year. It probably even end, it may even end the decade as the biggest film of the decade. Avengers Endgame, what else could it be? From Marvel Studios and Walt Disney together, directed once again by the Russo brothers. And give me an hour. The cast. <laughs> Why not read them all out? Just, just again, everybody knows the cast, but it never ceases to amaze me who they have. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson. Benedict Cumberbatch, Don Cheadle, Tom Holland, Chadwick Boseman, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Olsen, Anthony Mackie, <gasps> Sebastian Stan, Leticia Wright, Dave Bautista, Zoe Saldana, Josh Brolin, Chris Pratt, <gasps> Jeremy Renner, Evangeline Nelly, John Favreau, Paul Rudd, and she's back, Brie Larson. So, stuck in space with no food or water, Tony Stark sends a message to Pepper Potts as his oxygen supply starts to dwindle. Meanwhile, the remaining Avengers, Thor, Black Widow, Captain America, and Bruce Banner, have got to figure out a way to bring back their vanquished allies for an epic showdown with Thanos, the evil demigod who decimated the planet and the universe. Jared, are you looking forward to Endgame? 
I don't think that there's any question <laughs> about whether or not I'm looking forward to Endgame after where we left, you know, in 2017 with Avengers Infinity War. Or 2018, I apologize. Um, look, the the whole the whole aspect of getting rounding up this huge cast to finish out, you know, 10 plus years of storytelling is incredible. Um, there's no other word for it. What they've accomplished, you know, with, with all of these films, you know, setting it up with Iron Man and then, and then getting Thor and then getting, you know, Captain America. And then, you know, it's, it's 10 years of storytelling you know, compacted into these two movies that, you know, obviously some people didn't feel the emotional weight and a very small minority of people didn't feel the emotional weight of Infinity War. Um, I was in the majority, though. I totally felt for that movie. Um, I was teary eyed in that movie at the end. I'm not going to spoil anything. Uh, but what they did with that movie, I mean, it's it there's it's nothing short of incredible and it leaves me speechless every time i kind of talk about the accomplishments that marvel has been able to you know put forth and as far as endgame goes uh that trailer was simply incredible you know the little teaser that we got now i i personally thought that you know they weren't going to show as much as they did for a teaser trailer so i was actually pretty amazed when they put forth that and we got to see you know a little bit more of everything um but Tony Stark, you know, opening up the entire teaser trailer, that was emotional. Like, in the little snippet that we got, there was so much emotion and there was so much power behind the dialogue. I mean, you know, when I drift off, I will dream about you. It's always you. That the, Those words coming out of Robert Downey Jr.'s mouth in the context of the story surrounding Endgame, the story of Iron Man... Uh, it almost moved me to tears. And so with Endgame, um, you know, obviously kind of like with Captain Marvel, they have a lot of pressure to, you know, wrap everything up in a, in a neat little bow. And, and I'm not even saying it has to be wrapped up in a neat little bow, but it's, you know, you have to land strong after a movie like Infinity War, because if you don't land strong, um, it's going to be quite noticeable. So there's a lot hinging on this movie, but nonetheless, it is probably easily top three most anticipated movies of 2019 altogether i think most people would echo that as well what the russo brothers did so well in infinity war which was an excellent film just for pretty much most aspects it was a fabulous film infinity war was one of the things i was worried about which i was very vocal was how the bloody hell are the russo is going to cram all the characters in Give them time and make uh, still make it an intriguing, exciting narrative. They just managed to do that in Infinity War. Some characters didn't get the time they needed. Will they get them in Endgame? Possibly. However, Jeremy Renner's back. They're adding Brie Larson in uh, as Captain Marvel. So we've got Hawkeye slash Ronan coming back. Captain Marvel's going to need an arc. How that? And and then we're going to have, you know, the ramifications of Infinity War. Infinity War need to be wrapped up. I've heard. I mean, this, I mean, the rumor train's gone mad with this film. People are saying that Thanos isn't actually the villain; he's just a puppet. I mean, how the hell are they gonna then fit another bad guy in who's as, you know, fearsome as Thanos was? But that aside, how are they gonna handle that? Where are they gonna take the story? How are they gonna wrap up those threads from Infinity War? I've got some ideas. I think they obviously. I think it was mentioned strongly alluded to in uh, Infinity War, especially with Doctor Strange, who's gonna live. Who's going to die? There's so much that... It, wow. I mean, I'm just thinking about it now. I get excited thinking about it. 
Well, let's go. Into, I'll go into the teaser trailer because I'm getting I'm getting overwhelmed thinking about it. But the teaser trailer worked for me. It did show a bit too much, but it still didn't show give anything too much away. I liked it for a teaser trailer, and especially the Tony Stark moments in space. They were re- they were really good. It they were shot beautifully. Robert Downey Jr. You know he's just so good in this role now. There was the emotion which he needed. We we saw how the characters were dealing with what happened in Infinity War, which is going to take a massive chunk of the film, I think, and it needs to. You've mentioned stakes of Marvel. I'm interested to see how they handle, you know, potential stakes from the last film and this film. How they merge them to make sure we we know that things still matter. I I I'm obviously I'm trying to be loose here. Anybody who's seen Infinity War knows that certain things aren't always as they seem. And coming out of the cinema, you kind of thought, hold on. None of that is mm-hmm. yeah, But you know where I'm going with that. I'm interested to see what they do with this film and what they do to really make you know any of the landings stick. Uh, it's going to be the biggest film of the year. I'm very much looking forward to this film. Uh, but then I'm thinking, I'm going to throw this out to you now. It's not quite unrelated. It is, but it isn't. Firstly, what's going to be the biggest film of the year? What one are you more excited to see and what's going to be better? Endgame or as yet untitled Episode 9 Star Wars? Two massive endings. Um, You know, uh, I'm going Endgame. And the only reason I'm going Endgame here is because of the critical reception of The Last Jedi. Um, for me personally, that's my second favorite Star Wars movie, but a lot of people did not feel that way about it whatsoever. And so there's a lot, you know, and then, and then with Solo, a Star Wars story, which didn't land, you know, I thought it was okay for what it was. Um, obviously there were certain issues there. We didn't need to explore, you know, Han Solo's entire backstory, but again, uh, it was an all right film. And, uh, so for me, you know, just looking off of, you know, kind of how, you know, the, the critical reception to the Star Wars films have been in the past couple of years to how it's been for Marvel and kind of, you know, just the talk surrounding the anticipated movies of 2019. I'm going Endgame is going to be the bigger movie. Yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to be, I don't know whether it breaks 2 billion. I know that sounds like a foolish thing to say considering Infinity will smash 2 billion. Whether it breaks two billion, I'm not sure. It's going to come mighty close. You know, I think Endgame could make 1.9 billion. Episode nine, I can see it nestling around 1.5, 1.6 billion. I'm uh, give me give give me one or the other. I'm taking Star Wars because that's always going to be my number one love in terms of films. But hell, everything Infinity War set the MCU has set up culminated so brilliantly in Infinity War that Endgame is now a must see. Even if you're absolutely in love with the MCU, or if you're just a casual fan, or you just fancy seeing a pretty big film with guys in capes, Endgame is an unmissable film now for 2019. So, I mean, what more can we say other than what everybody already knows? It's going to be the biggest film of the year. It's probably, I'm never going to guarantee, but it's probably probably going to be bloody brilliant as well. And I'm not going to speak for Jared, but um, I'm assuming you're on a similar wavelength. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with you. Um I my excitement level for Star Wars is uh a tad bit higher than Infinity War but or for Endgame. But as far as what I think will do better, you know, in terms if we're talking money, mm-hmm. then I'm going to go Endgame. Yeah, uh, but definitely, you know, Star Wars also has a lot going for it and that's a whole other podcast episode that we could dive in on. Um 
so if you're ready, we can move on to the next movie. Uh, let's go. Let's swing in. All right. So the next movie um, is being released by Sony Pictures, and it is Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, we kind of already talked a lot about it, um, but it's directed by John Watts and stars Tom Holland, Samuel L. Jackson, Zendaya, Kobe Smulders, John Favreau, J.B. Smoove, um, Jacob uh, Battalion, uh, Martin Starr, Marissa Tomei, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Peter Parker's relaxing European vacation takes an unexpected turn when Nick Fury suddenly shows up in his hotel room. Parker soon finds himself donning the Spider-Man suit to help Fury stop the evil Mysterio from wrecking havoc across the continent. Uh, Spider-Man's a movie that kind of was a surprise hit for me, Homecoming was. Um, I didn't know what to feel about it. I didn't know what to feel about Tom Holland's casting, uh, but it came out. And I loved every bit of it. And, you know, of course, Michael Keaton helped. Um, and here we have, you know, Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who, um, you know, is they're, they're pretty insistent upon the fact that he's not a villain here. But I, for me personally, I think he totally will end up being the villain, regardless of if he <laughs> starts out that way or not. Um, and, you know, for the rest of the cast, too, we get more bits in the trailer with Zendaya and Tom Holland and just kind of their relationship that they're building towards. And it's it's pure, you know, it's innocent. And um, I think that's that's why I like Homecoming and why I think I'm going to enjoy Far From Home, too, um, is just because for the first time, you know, while I love Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and, you know, and I think that Tobey Maguire is great. um, Tom Holland, for me, almost takes the cake for who feels more like Spider-Man, even though I grew up more with Tobey Maguire. Yeah, I wasn't. I was in the wasn't overly enamoured with Homecoming. I liked Homecoming. I loved Michael Keaton in Homecoming, and I think Tom Holland is a awesome Spider-Man. He's got that. He is more Peter Parker than Andrew Garfield or. Um, Toby Maguire, who were both very good Peter Parkers, but Tom Holland actually looks like the same age as Peter Parker should be. Uh, I'm look, but I'm looking forward to Far From Home. I think Zendaya is going to have a lot more to do this time, and I really hope she does as well. Interested to see what Sam Jackson and Kobe Smulders have to do. And well, firstly, before I get to that, Jake Gyllenhaal pretty much broke the social media sphere when he showed up mm-hmm. in his trailer. I mean, we it was he, we knew he was Mysterio because he it had been rumored, and then he dropped it on his Twitter on his social. Sorry. And he's the big draw here as Mysterio. And they kind of said he's like an anti-hero, not quite villain. I agree. He's he's the villain in this film, unless we get a real uh, curveball with an unannounced casting. But Jake Hindle is going to be the villain. Um, I was just thinking that synopsis really could have gone one or two ways. I'm thinking we're going to get some kind of softcore film here. Peter Parker's relaxing European vacation takes an unexpected turn when Nick Fury suddenly shows up in his hotel room. (laughs) When you were reading that off, I thought, where the hell is this going? But yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, Not what I'm thinking, thankfully. But the the big question I'm wondering, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, sorry, is when is is this going to be set? Is this film going to be set before Infinity War? Is it going to be set afterwards? Where Where would you place this in the timeline? I'm going afterwards. Um, there's a moment in the trailer specifically that I look at, and it's when Peter Parker looks at the Spider-Man suit when he's packing for his vacation. And um, that moment right 
there tells me that he's very hesitant to, you know, even take the mantle to be Spider-Man in a, you know, in an entirely different country. And, um, and that, that moment had weight to it for as little, as little time it got. Um, there was something about that that made me feel like it definitely is after Infinity War. Yep, I tend to lean that way as well. I saw Kevin Smith had an excellent uh, article about why he thinks it might be set before Infinity War or a a theory. So if you haven't read it, anybody out there, go check it out. It's fairly, it's very decent, and I take stock in what Kevin Smith thinks. So if he says it, please, it, it may as well be true. But I like the fact that they are setting this in another country. We're getting out of New York finally. Finally, so I am. More looking forward to this than I thought I would because I wasn't overly sold on Homecoming. It just didn't work entirely for me. And I hope that Spider-Man feels more organic and natural to the character and doesn't use the Iron Spidey too much and all that. I just want to see Peter Parker in the suit swinging about, you know, like just Spider-Man we all know and love. Maybe I'm in a minority there, but his Homecoming Spider-Man at times didn't feel like a true spider-man to me that's a totally fair criticism and i may have people screaming at their iphones or their laptops now but i liked tom holland but it didn't it didn't connect with me as much as i wanted to i have a feeling far from home may may be up slightly up there so i'm guessing that far from home is one which you are pretty damn excited for Yes, uh, I think that also is in my top five most anticipated, you know, superhero movies. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, and moving on to one which isn't anywhere near my top five anticipated films is Dark mm. Phoenix. Uh, studio is going to be 20th Century Fox, directed by Simon Kinberg. The cast, again, great cast. James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence is going to turn up for a paycheck. Nicholas Holt, Sophie Turner, Ty Sheridan... Alexander Ship, Cody Smith McPhee, Evan Peters, and Jessica Chastain. Cannot argument with the level. argue, sorry, with the level of talent in that cast. What's it about? No. The X Men face their most formidable and powerful foe when one of their own, Jean Grey, starts to spiral out of control during a rescue mission to outer space. Jean is nearly killed when she's hit by a mysterious cosmic force. Uh, when she returns home, the force not only makes her infinitely more powerful far more unstable, and now the X-Men must band together to save her soul, yawn, and battle aliens that want to use Grey's new abilities to rule the galaxies. Now, I just heard Jared uh, going to jump in there, so I'm assuming you're either, you've got something extremely important to say about Dark Phoenix. No, I, I was just going to say we can't doubt the cast at all, because, again, with a lot of these movies, like I've I've mentioned before, um, they're getting, they're billing some really like A-list talent, you know, that we have floating around, which I'm glad to see that more and more, you know, A-listers are kind of moving, you know, towards the more mainstream, you know, superhero movies and that stigma is kind of slowly going away for them. Um, but the movie looks pretty awful. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it just looks pretty awful. Um, you know, my expectations are basically touching the, the floor at this point. Um, I, I really like, I'll go in and, and, you know, it should be the case. It 
you know, it's probably like somewhere in the range of like 95% um, probability wise that I will end up liking it more than when I, when I went into the theater, just because my expectations are that low. Um, You know, you shift around dates all the time, you know, you have to do reshoots. That's totally fine by me. Um, You know, with these big budget movies, and we're talking massive budgets, you know, over a hundred million. I get that reshoots are necessary. I get that, you know, there's a lot going on on set. You have, a lot of cast A, but a lot of crew, things can go wrong. Um, That's totally fine by me. Uh, You don't need to basically push your movie back 10 times, and I'm exaggerating there, of course, but if you're pushing back your movie 10 times because you're not that competent in, in it after, you know, several, you know, screenings that you've had and audiences have just not liked it, uh, there's a problem there you know, a fundamental problem. And as much as you try and save it at this point, um, you're probably just causing yourself more damage. So that's my take on it. Yeah, to, to be uh, to be more honest, it's going to be shit, I think. <laughs> it's got the potential to be toilets. It, there's so many issues and delays getting this onto the screen. It just makes me wonder, do Fox really have any, any uh, confidence in this at all? The, I mean, yeah, I've mentioned Jennifer Lawrence. She's turning up. Maybe she's going to try this time. Uh, who knows? Sophie Turner as uh, Jean Grey. Still absolutely need to be convinced by that casting. She's great in Game of Thrones. She just feel it. Everything feels a bit uncomfortable with her uh, performance with, as Jean Grey. Hopefully, I'll be proved wrong and hopefully she's excellent. But mm, the trailer was just okay. The the one plus point of this film is Hans Zimmer. He's come out of comic book movie retirement to score this mm. film. He had said before he wasn't going to do any more genre flicks, but he's back. So we're going to get Hans Zimmer yeah, score, which probably the best part of the film. But pretty much everything yes. you've just said, I'm I, I can't argue. With. I I want to go in and I hope I come out and it's, and think you know what that was actually quite good. Uh, if it's anything as, like Days of Future Past, which is very good, then we could get a decent film. I just don't think the studio has any faith in this film, whatever they try to spin. So I'm hoping to be not quite so disappointed by this film, but I'm not expecting anything from this, despite the fact that I think James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender are excellent as Xavier, Xavier, sorry, Magneto. I think they're brilliant together, but yes, other than a sigh, I'm not really sure what else to say about Dark Phoenix. No, there's not much there. But um, speaking of 20th Century Fox, we've got another movie coming out under, you know, kind of like the X-Men mantle um, with the New Mutants. Um, it's directed by Josh Boone, and it stars Anna Taylor-Joy, Maisie Williams, who is also, along with Sophie Turner, another Game of Thrones alumni. Uh, we have Charlie Heaton, Henry Zaga, Blue Hunt and Alice Braga. And um, the synopsis here reads Magic, Wolfsbane, and other teenage mutants must try to come to grips with their superpowers while staying at a secret facility. Uh, so I actually really liked the horror aspects of the initial trailer that we got. Um, I didn't think that it looked incredible by any means. But I definitely dug how it didn't feel like a typical, you know, genre superhero movie. And we've talked about it before, you know, you know, taking risks with your movies um, and not just, you know, kind of recycling the same thing, which, you know, recycling the same thing can be done effectively and you can make a good movie. Um, But then again, you know, 
it's always it's always welcomed to have you know fresh takes fresh perspectives on how you tell your story and so the new mutants i was really looking forward to but then again i don't know what's going on at 20th century fox but they're having some issues um apparently people didn't like the test screenings again and we've now uh, had what three or four release dates um, for the movie because it's been pushed back by over a year now. <laughs> and so again, my faith for that movie is just on the floor too. I mean, and I'm not sure if Fox is just having an issue with the Disney merger and they're trying to figure all that out and they don't have enough resources allocated to uh, marketing the movies correctly. Um, you know, I, I just don't know where the faith in these projects lies from a, the cast um, because frankly, in both instances, it kind of looks like the cast is just phoning it in. And um, as much as, you know, I like James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender and even Anna Taylor-Joy and Maisie Williams, again, it just feels very basic in its in its kind of demeanor and in, in, in approach to storytelling. I mean, it feels, it just feels lackluster. Both of them do. And um, so, yeah, again, uh, I'm not sure where I stand on the movie, but I will go see it. Um, just because I'm curious to know how, you know, all that work and all that extra added work um, turned out. I I'm intrigued by this film. Um, it was pushed back a few times, like you say, uh, and I've got to give credit to 20th Century Fox here because it was Josh Boone originally had this as a straight up horror film it, with a superhero uh, disguise on. It is a horror film. 20th Century Fox got cold feet and thought. Did no, no we, uh, maybe we shouldn't do this. It's not gonna. People aren't gonna watch this. They got scared. Basically, it was reworked to be more kind of YA friendly, and then, like you mentioned, the test screenings were uh, didn't really go down that well. It wasn't really very scary, and then Josh Boone remade it into a horror film again, apparently influenced by Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors, which I didn't mind that mm. film actually, but. And 20th Century Fox have gone with it now, so they've they've kind of they've seen it and they like the fact that it's more of a horror film. So I've got to give props to them for you know going back on their original thoughts. They've let the director do what he wants. Hopefully, Josh Boone of of Fault in Our Stars fame can you know reward them with a decent film. I'm looking forward to this partly because I I think I love Anya Taylor Joy just a little bit. It's a strange one. It could be something a bit different, or it could just be naff. But one of the things that made me quite pleased was reading the character synopsis and Maisie Williams, she plays Wolfsbane. And I try to wrap my head around it. A Scottish mutant, quote unquote, struggling to reconcile her religious beliefs with her power to turn into a wolf. And I'm trying to work out how those two things are connected. With I'm struggling to work out how they come together. But apparently Maisie Williams is a mad Scottish religious wolf, which sounds quite frankly excellent. But I'm hoping it's going to be as straight up horror as they say it is. And like you say, sometimes you need something different. You, if you follow the same formula or the same costume every time, it gets a bit stale, it gets a bit predictable. And that is when the stagnation and this apparent comic book fatigue is going to cut set in, when everything new is actually the same. It's just a rehash of what's been before. So I hope 20th Century Fox and Boone are do are delivering what they say they're going to deliver, which is a which is a pretty straight up horror film wrapped in a superhero guise. If they're going to do that, great. That's one step into giving us different films. The most important thing is, is it going to be any good? And for me, I'm I've straddled the line whether it could be. I hope it is, but um, yeah. 
Yeah, and we'll see where that goes to. Um, and if it, you know, if it doesn't work, um, I, my my whole blame goes to 20th Century Fox for not trusting their filmmakers. And that's where I talk about like where the faith is mm-hmm. in the projects that they're making, because you you bring on a director because it's okay to have a specific vision on what you want to do. You know, as far as because again, Hollywood's a business. As far as what you want to do with your movies and how you want to streamline them. Uh, it makes total sense for you to have a hand and, you know, to be able to have the authority to go in and make, you know, executive executive decisions if you need to. But then again, if you're bringing on filmmakers, obviously there were there there had to have been talks with with, you know, the director and 20th Century Fox about, you know, kind of what the vision was for the movie. And so if they didn't like it initially, initially, you know, before, you know, anything was, you know, finished as far as like, you know, the horror elements and everything, they knew about that. Like you had to have known about that going in. So you just got to trust your filmmakers at the end of the day. And, um, so frankly for me, yeah, if it doesn't work out, uh, I think most of the blame can be put on Fox for this, but, um, uh, we can move on to a lighter topic, maybe not even a lighter topic, but we have got a good one. Yeah, so rounding off the 2019 appreciation list looking forward to is a film that I think a lot of people are looking forward to, and that is simply titled Joker, from Warner Brothers Pictures, directed by Todd Phillips, starring, as we all know, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, Bill Camp, Francis Conroy, and Shea Wiggum. And apparently, the synopsis reads that a failed stand-up comedian is driven insane and becomes a psychopathic criminal <laughs> mastermind. So he must have had really bad jokes. Now, I mean, pictures of Whacking Phoenix have been circulating online you know, since that first one dropped. Every time I go on to Twitter especially, there is someone hawking a picture of Whacking's Joker. He, before, before we go into anything like that, Martin Scott says he was attached to this. And he, about a year, about, he, about nine months ago, he dropped out. He's being replaced by Emma Tinninger Koskov. But I would have loved to have seen a Scorsese produced Joker film because apparently it's a crime thriller about a guy who doesn't need an origin story, but we're getting one anyway. Who's Robert De Niro playing? How good is Wacky Phoenix going to be? What's his voice going to sound like? Is he going to have a funny laugh? All these kind of questions come to my mind. The makeup and the look. My first thought about how he looked was, Ugh, but I've since warmed to it slightly. Yeah, what do you? What, what are your thoughts on Joker and his yeah, visuals? Whilst I get my head around his his how he looks still. Uh, I'm, you know that that's the one thing that I was really excited for. Um, and the one aspect of it that really gets me excited, I actually kind of like the look that they're going mm-hmm. for. It's a it's a little bit different. Um. Then again, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is one of the greatest actors of 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 our time. And um, the fact that we have him in this role and, you know, like you had mentioned previously, Martin Scorsese being attached to the project, um, you know, everything like that, just it 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 seems and it appears like they have faith in the movie. You know, it's already filmed. It's already wrapped. Um, And so as far as like everything goes for the movie, it's all pointing in the right direction for me. And uh, I guess, you know, as far as like the makeup, you know, tests ran, um, those were excellent, in my opinion. There was something so unsettling about it. And then obviously the the footage that TMZ released, you know, and you can go check it out if you'd like to. Um, 
it's I don't think it'll spoil anything for you. And I also don't think that those were captured, you know, secretly. I think those were intentional leaks um, by Warner Brothers just to kind of gauge, you know, the reaction to how how Joaquin Phoenix is doing in this role kind of with the look of everything. Um, but some of those, some of those videos that TMZ captured, you know, um, those were really kind of interesting. And so I'm okay with the origin story. If you, if you take a fresh approach to it and you do something different with it that we haven't seen yet, of course you can have similar beats and everything, but as long as your, you know, perspective is fresh on everything and you're going in and you're, you know, at least attempting to make something new. Um, I think that this project could be one of the better comic book movies that we get this year, if not the best, um, even with something like Endgame being in the same year. And so, um, you know, as far as where my expectations lie for this, I'm in the middle. But again, I am I am leaning more towards being really optimistic about this project. Oh, yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm really, really excited for this film. I, I get Wacky Freaks being the Joker just excites me. Probably more than it should a grown man. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he brings to the character. I don't dislike the makeup. I think it's just a, the very, the initial um, images I saw. It just looked... Because I couldn't picture Wack and Phoenix as the Joker. And when I saw the him in makeup, I thought, Jesus, he looks like Billy Crudup. But it, <laughs> I've, I've grown to like it more. Kind of, I guess like Heath Ledger's back a decade ago. I guess it just comes down to the fact that I just really want to see see him in character acting and speaking and have the whole package come yes. together and I think that's gonna absolutely knock me out. I'm look I'm I'm trust me, I'm really looking forward to this. I don't think it's got a release date yet. I know it has sorry, it's I think it's September, October time, sorry. October fourth. In terms of the origin story, I guess yeah, if they can give us something fresh and something different and something which feels natural, doesn't feel like it doesn't feel too out of this world because it looks like this film's going to be pretty grounded. It's not going to be too, you know. I don't think you can see. You're not going to see Batman flying in or anything remotely superhero-y. No. Really, I think it is going to be kind of like a mob, a real mob film. So as long as they can give us a, uh, an origin story which feels believable to the character, then I'm on board with that. And Robert De Niro again, who's he playing? Or is he going to be like the Joker's mentor? Or is he going to be a rival? Well, that could be quite interesting. A rival to the Joker. I like the fact Zazie Beetz is in it. I thought she was one of the best parts of Deadpool 2. Um, so, and Shea Wiggum kind of typecast in those kind of roles now. But uh, I, thought, so I think he's got a very solid cast. Todd Phillips is a decent director. Everything's in place for this to be the best comic book film of the year. I really hope it is because I love the character of the Joker. Jared Leto was okay. He wasn't as bad as the world said he was, but he wasn't that good either, I don't think. But... I think Wacken Phoenix will be up there with the better portrayals that we've had. Well, if we're just basing it off of Joaquin's talent, totally. Like, he'll be up there among the best. Um, yeah, I can't wait for it. Uh, we should be getting something for it, you know, as far as marketing material goes. Probably in the next couple of months here. Um, we'll get probably a teaser, you know, right around the five-month, six-month mark, somewhere in there. And then we'll probably get another full tra- trailer, like four months out, I'm guessing. Um but, you know, there's always room for, you know, new footage sooner than that even. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and this seems like the kind of film where they, they could just kind of drop little videos here and there, official videos, without a kind of, without needing a trailer or a teaser. Like, it looks like they could just be like, here's a 30-second clip of 
Bracken Phoenix walking down the street and you know beating up someone. They could just drop. I'd those... be okay with that. Yeah, to me, it just seems like they could have a kind of like the Joker himself, an unpredictable marketing route, which just works in its favour. I, I can see them doing that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to when the marketing really kicks into gear. It's just a shame we've got what eight or nine months before the actual release of the film. So that is. They are the big films coming out, comic book films coming out in 2019. And yes, we did also mention DC Super Pets for anyone out, the purists out there. So <laughs> we probably already gauged from what we said. But for you, Jared, what is the film you're looking forward to the most? What do you think is going to be the best? And what do you think is going to be the worst of the films we've mentioned? Oh, boy. Okay. Well, if I'm going, you know, most anticipated for me, um, I'm definitely going to go Endgame. Um, as far as what I think will be the best, if everything goes out the way it should and, you know, we get kind of this sharp production wrap on everything. Um, and you know, that's been the case so far with the Joker, with everything finishing pretty quickly, actually, you know, a budget of 55 million. I think the Joker could, you know, be in talks to be the best comic book film of 2019. Um, as far as the worst goes, uh, I'm, I'm 20th century Fox is just, (laughs) I think I think it's I think they're lost this year. Um, and that's pretty unfortunate coming from, you know, a studio like that. So for me, I think Dark Phoenix is going to be probably the one that's at the bottom. Can't argue with that. In terms of what I'm looking forward to the most, it probably is a tie between Endgame and Joker. Though I think I lean more towards Joker because I think I can probably I think I can ascertain what I'm gonna get from Endgame. I kinda know what to expect and what I'm gonna get. Joker I've got no idea. So, and like you mentioned, if everything comes together, it should and could very well be one of the best films of the year. Can I go as, be as bold as to say that if everything works and it is this crime thriller with the ingredients, it could be in the top 20, 30 films of the year. Um, considering like you get thousands of films a year, that's still quite good. Uh, what one do I think will be the best film of the year? Again, it could be. It could be that Joker if everything comes back together again. I'd like to see New Mutants do well. It's not going to be the best of the year, I don't think, but I'd like to see it, you know, scrap away there. But again, Endgame or Joker, but probably go for Joker. And in terms of the worst film of the year, I've already seen it. It's called Polar. But out of the list we've just mentioned, I, it, I think by far and away, it's Dark Phoenix. I want to be surprised by that film. And I never want any film to fail unless it's called Polar. I don't want any film to fail but I think Dark Phoenix is going to not, yeah, critically at least, I don't think it's going to do well. I think it'll do well at the box office, but critically I'm not sure it will do that well. And just speaking of the box office, pretty much guaranteed Endgame is going to be the top yeah. dog in terms of film. For, for a film like Joker, $55 million budget, what's a realistic, make it. do you think, realistic yeah. total? Because yeah, I think it will make um, budget, but what do you, what do you reckon it can kind of realistically aim for? Um, well, again, it, I mean, the marketing is what's going to be, you know, the biggest uh, indicator to what the, True. you know, what the box office is going to do. Um, but, you know, right now, as it sits, if everything comes together appropriately and, you know, the marketing's solid and everything, I think we could be looking at upwards of 100. Um, probably not, probably not over 110, but I'm I'm going to go with somewhere between 80 and 100. Um, 110 mil. I think that's about about right, you know. And that's if everything falls, because again, you know, as where the previous Joker. I mean, you know, you look back at the Dark Knight, you look back even at Suicide Squad. Um, 
Batman was still there. And I don't know that they're doing, I don't know that they're going to go that direction with this, you know, and we, we talked about it. I'm going to lean more towards. They're not even going to touch upon Batman at all. They, he may, he might get like a little reference here and there. Um, but I highly doubt that. And if that's the case, um, I know some of the, not some of the core audience, but some of just, you know, the general audience might back off of it a, a little bit more than normal. And so I think that, you know, saying above 120, um, I think saying above 120 would be unreasonable for a film like that, um, but definitely somewhere in that 80 to 110. Yeah, if it could double its budget, it's done well. I was I was leaning towards 150 just on the just on the name alone. You know, the Joker. It's always got those connotations with the excellent portrayals before. There's going to be a an element of intrigue. It's not going to be fever pitch because there's going to be an element of intrigue. People want to see another iteration of this character. But yeah, it all rests on the marketing. If they can make this feel like a I don't want to say that. We need to find another synonym for gritty. But if it's going to be like a gritty thrill, crime thriller, and I love a crime, good crime film, if they can nail that, that tone and atmosphere, it's going to get more people interested than it would originally. Because if people just think it's going to be a film about the Joker, with a uh, kind of like a Jack Nicholson esque Joker, it may not make bank too much money. But if they can get the marketing nailed on, focus on the what makes this film different and what makes this film different from comic book films, I could see it doing about 150 worldwide. Of course, if it comes out and the first screenings are excellent, the marketing's been great, people are saying, look, Whackin' Phoenix is just incredible. Who knows where it can go? I don't think it's going to... I think its ceiling is going to be sort of 200 million even if it gets excellent reviews across the board, five star reviews, I think its ceiling's gonna be about two hundred million because it's not gonna there are gonna be people who just aren't gonna be interested whatsoever. For me, I'm gonna say now that you've met now for all the points you've mentioned, I'll probably go down to one thirty, but one thirty to one fifty is what I'm looking at. Tops. Give if everything falls into place and the critics love it, two hundred. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't even touch two hundred, um, if if it gets positive reception. Um but, uh, yeah, no, I, I totally respect that opinion. And that's why we work well, because we don't fight. And internet, that's how you do it. You just be nice to each other. Um, so that is that for our look ahead to 2019. I certainly hope you uh, agree or at least understand our point of view. If we've trashed any of the films you're looking forward to, then hopefully we are made to look silly and the films are excellent. And I hope this is as good a year as it could be for comic book movies we've got some bloody brilliant looking films coming out so hopefully all of them are great but i'm pretty sure at least 75 percent of them are great so for that for this episode that is a wrap and i want to thank uh the main man once again jared charles for coming on giving this time to talk comic book movies so thank you again my man yeah thank you so much for having me on this is always a pleasure you know every month sitting down talking about what we love um there's really nothing better than that can't argue with that. So if people out there listening want to sit down and check what you do out, where can they find you online? 
Yeah, they can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Borough Reviews, on Twitter at Borough Reviews. Um, we also have a podcast um, out where we do roughly every month right now called Into the Borough, and you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Um, other than that, if you want to check out our patron, you can also do that at The Borough Reviews. Um, but that's kind of a wrap. Yep, I highly recommend you do go check it out because the work is of a high level, the videos are good, the the tag teams that Jared has with his partners are fantastic and his partner are fantastic and the merchandise is cool as well. And also, yes, do go check out the podcast. It is entertaining and very informative, so check it out. Uh, you can find me, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, across the socials, just for, uh, search for What I Watch Tonight. Uh, any good podcast provider worth their salt, you'll find this podcast that you're already listening to and any of the others and all the back catalogue of comic casts. We've, we've done our top five comic book movie moments and also what we've, what we've been looking forward to this year and an appraisal of last year. We've gone into some big films as well. So there's plenty, plenty already been and plenty more to come. So do go check those out. So uh, if you like the show, Please tell other comic book fans out there. There's a show for them where two guys get together and talk comic book films. We are nice. We are nasty when we need to be. But we do it because we love the films. Uh, so if you do like us, leave us a review and a rating. It really helps the show. And thank you for all the engagement and for everyone for listening. But until next time, from me, it's see ya. And from Jared. See you later, guys. Hey, everyone. I'm Jonathan Burke. And I love movies. In fact, I love them so much I can't stop talking about them. BurkeReviews.com features tons of reviews and a few podcasts that we call BurkeReviews.com MovieCast. You can listen right at the site, or they are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep watching movies. Okay.